Welcome to the podcast. I'm Isaac Carroll, and this is What Do I Know? Today, the subject is the Trinity. I have spent a lot of time studying and thinking about and trying to wrap my head around the idea of the Trinity. And to be honest, I wasn't certain that I would ever be truly at peace with my understanding of it. And it's bothered me because we know that God isn't the God of confusion. And we as followers are supposed to be able to give a defense for whatever we believe. And I, for one, wasn't happy with using, with always using the pretzel analogy. I don't know if you heard the pretzel analogy, but it's uh, a pretzel is made up of three holes. The first hole isn't the second hole. The second hole isn't the third hole. So on and so forth. But if you put them all together, they make up a pretzel. I mean, the, the idea gets you in the door, but does it really give you understanding? And the problem that I have with not completely understanding or being at peace with something, I tend to start overthinking things. Jesus told us to pray to the Father, and whatever we ask for in his name, we would receive. I noticed that I was praying and worshiping and giving praise, and I was always thinking about the Father. But at some point, I started thinking, well, what about my relationship with Jesus? Isn't he worthy of all praise and glory? Philippians 2, 9-11 through 11 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus Christ every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now, what's hard for me is that I grew up being taught these scriptures and knowing the Ten Commandments, which teaches us to worship God and Him alone. Isaiah 46, 9 says, Remember what happened long ago, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I declare the end from the beginning and ancient times from what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and all my good pleasure I will accomplish. Deuteronomy 32 and 39 says, See now that I am he. There is no God besides me. I bring death and I give life. I wound and I heal. And there is no one who can deliver from my hand. This is monotheism. Monotheism is the belief that there is only one God. Exodus 34 and 14 says, for you must not worship any other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. But Jesus teaches us that there is three distinct and individual beings that are a part of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now this would seem to go against the teachings of monotheism. But Jesus himself teaches this. He says to, this to Philip in John 14, 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. And that will be enough for us. Jesus replied, Philip, I have been with you all this time, and still you do not know me. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Now this tells us that Jesus is the Father. He says in Matthew 14, 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now this answers our question. And when we praise God and worship him, we don't have to worry about if we're leaving someone out because we're praising and worshiping the same God. What happens when someone comes along and challenges us on this? They start quoting scriptures that challenge the idea that Jesus is the Father. What do we do? The word clearly states that we are to be ready to give a defense. First Peter 3, 1 says, But in your heart sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give a defense to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have in 
Now, I know not everyone has memorized scripture. But I believe it would be helpful when we find ourselves challenged on scriptures like these. John 14, 28 says, You heard me say, I am going away, and I am coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. 1 Corinthians 15, 24 says, Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God to the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says that everything has been put under his feet, this clearly does not include the one who put everything under him. And when all things have been subject to him, then Jesus himself will be made subject to him who put all things under his feet, so that God may be all in all. Now, this last scripture is tough. Tough one to overcome because it shows clear distinction between the Father and the Son. They will say, how then can you claim that Jesus is the Father? And we haven't even started talking about the Holy Spirit yet, the third part of the Trinity. Now, I, to keep from confusing this situation any further, let's, let's get into answering these questions so that, so that we can be better informed and, and able to rightly handle the Word of God to the benefit of everyone who asks us. I would like to start with man. Man is the image of God, right? And before I go too far, man isn't God and God isn't man. So this is just a comparison to give us some more understanding. Genesis 1, 27 says, so God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Since we are man and woman, we, we are able to understand things about ourselves a little easier than we are about God. So let's see what the word says about man. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your entire spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have three parts. Well, this is news. When we, when we study scripture, we find that, that this is talked about a lot more than we think. Matthew 10.28 says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but can, cannot kill the soul. Instead, fear the one who destroys both soul and body in hell. But this doesn't say anything about the spirit. What happens to the spirit? Well, Ecclesiastes 12, 7 says, And the dust, which is the body, returns to the earth as it was. The spirit returns to God who gave it. What does Mary say? The mother of Jesus. She says in Luke 1, verse 46, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Showing two distinct different aspects that scripture shows us that are about ourselves that are different. So it's safe to say by scripture that we are made up of three parts the body, the soul, and the spirit. We can also tell by scripture that there is a difference between these three parts, yet all three parts are a part of the same person. Now, we can only really understand the body, the flesh, because, well, that's how we see ourselves. We're subject to its constant needs. You know, the body's hungry, we feed it. When it's cold, we cover it. But we don't say the body's cold. We say, I'm cold. We don't say the body's hungry. We say, I'm hungry. So we understand the body. But what about the other two aspects, the soul and the spirit? What are they? What is the soul? The soul is our identity. The soul is our personality. It's who we are. It's our emotions, our feelings, our hopes, dreams, aspirations. It's our angers and frustrations, our perseverances and our confusions and our conscious mind. 
Our soul is who we are. Two parts that we can be affected by this world is the body and the soul. Right? The body feels pain physically, and the soul feels emotional pain. All right, so we have the body and the soul. What is spirit? James 2.26 says, and the body without the spirit is dead. And we know that in Genesis, God breathed the breath of life in an Adam, and he became a living being. See Genesis 2 and 7. All right, the spirit in Hebrew is called ruach. And this means breath or wind. God breathed life into man. God speaks and there is life. So the breath of God gives life. So the spirit of God gives life. Now we also find that spirit is how we communicate with God. Romans 8, 26 and says in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how we ought to pray. But the spirit himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. 1 Corinthians 8 and 11 says, For who among men knows the thoughts of man except his own spirit within him? John 4 and 24 says, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. What about Galatians 5.16? But I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. John 6.63 It is the spirit who gives life, and the flesh is of no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Now, if we look at these two, we find that the body, our flesh, wants what is in direct opposition to what the spirit wants from us. So we're not governed by the body, but we are governed by the spirit. Now, notice what part is missing in this equation. The soul, where we have the body and we have the spirit. Where's the soul? Well, it was mentioned. It said you. You are controlled not by the flesh but by the spirit. This gives us validation on what part is ourself, apart from the body and apart from the spirit. The soul. The spirit we have is given to us by God. It gives life. It's our connection to God. The body is our connection to the earth. The thing in the middle is the soul. It's who we are. But all three are still a part of the same person. Now let's talk about God. What do we know about God? Well, we know God has three distinct parts, but his parts aren't subject to the body like ours are. So we'll start with the very first part, which is the image of God. Now, we have a body. God has an image. Second Corinthians 4, 4 says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. John 14 and 7 says, if you had known me, you wouldn't have known the Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. John 14, 9 says, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time? And still you do not know me. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? John ten thirty says, I and the Father are one. Colossians 1, 15 through 17 says, He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rules or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is up before all things, and in him all things hold together. John 1, verse 1 and 2 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
First John 5.20 says, And we know that the Son, and we know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. Now we see the first aspect of God, the part that we see is Jesus. John 1 and 18 says, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side. He has made him known. If no one has ever seen God but Jesus, who is God, then all the accounts of people in the Old Testament seeing God, who they actually saw was Jesus. Let me give you some examples in Scripture. We'll start in Genesis 3, 8. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the breeze of the day. And they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out to them, Where are you? Genesis 18 and 1. And then the Lord appeared to Abram by Oscar of Mambre in the heat of the day, while he was sitting in the entrance of his tent. And Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. And when he saw them, he ran out from the entrance of his tent to meet them. And he bowed low to the ground. My Lord, said Abraham, if I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Genesis thirty-two twenty-six says, Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. Jacob, he said. The man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and you have prevailed. And Jacob requested, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel. Indeed, I have seen God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Numbers 12.4 And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and Miriam, You three come out to the tent of meeting. So the three went out, and the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent. And he summoned Aaron and Miriam. When both of them had stepped forward, he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will reveal myself to him in a vision. I will speak to him in a dream. But this is not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in my house. I speak with him face to face, clearly and not in riddles, and he sees the form of the Lord. Now these are some of the scriptures I was referring to. All these people saw the Lord face to face. And knowing that no one has seen the Father except the Son, then who did all these people see? They saw the image of God, which is Jesus. Now let's come to the hard part. A part that's really hard to understand. The separation that happens when Jesus takes on the form of a man. Philippians 2, 5, 7 says, Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Luke 1, 34 says, How can this be, Mary asked the angel? Since I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy One will come upon you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Hebrews 1, starting in verse 2 Hath in these days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being in the brightness of his glory, and the expressed image of his person, 
and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels. Hebrews 1, starting at verse 2. He hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had it by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said at any time, Thou art my son. Today I have begotten thee. And again, I will be to you a father. I will be to him a father. And he shall be to me a son. The prophet Isaiah had this to say in Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child was born. Unto us a son was given. And the government shall rest upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Hard to grasp how God can be the Son and also the Father. How he can reign on high and be a baby in the manger. Mark ten twenty seven says, Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. God isn't limited to what man is, can do. So the image of God separated himself from God, took on the form of man that he might pay the cost for the man's sin and make a way for man to come into the presence of the Father. This is the first aspect of the Trinity we know as God. Now, for the sake of time, I'm going to break this up into three sections. And I'm going to end this one here. But you're going to want to stay tuned because the next part we're going to talk about is the identity of God, the Father. God's peace with you guys. Love you. Goodbye.